Do you have sibling rivalry in your home or your kids' homes as a grandparent? Dr. Randy here from Intentional Living. We're going to help you today. Sibling rivalry, one of the top five questions and problems of houses and families these days. And we want to give you some really practical help how intentional living works. In fact, I'd love to hear from you. What one thing are you doing to deal with sibling rivalry? Call our storyline, 888-888-1717. Today's program calls are recorded from a past program, and they're all set to go. So uh, we're ready on the air, but listen, we want your comments on our comment line live today at 888-888-1717. Again, that's 888-888-1717. So let's get to our callers. Lots of help for you. Kristen has called. Kristen, welcome to the show. What's your question for me today? I have a question regarding sibling rivalry. Okay. I have three girls, uh-huh. 14, 8, and 5. Right. And my 8-year-old is a very dominant personality. All right. Likes to be in charge. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing concern that I have is that my 5-year-old, then um, when she tries to not do what the 8-year-old wants, may object to it temporarily, but then eventually gives in because that's her personality is just to kind of go along with things. Yeah, the five-year-old. And Yeah. yeah. And so I worry that almost to the point where my eight-year-old is at the point of bullying my five-year-old, but how do you get that, how do you get that across to them to, I mean, it's a total difference in personality, but I don't want that to affect my five-year-old as she's having other relationships outside the home with friends. Yeah, that's a great question, Chris. And I do know this. Uh, worrying ain't going to get it done. Um, it's going to have to be action, be intentional. And I hear you. You got this bossy eight-year-old middle daughter. She thinks she's in charge, and she's going to be the boss of the five-year-old. And while you'd like your five-year-old to stand up sometimes and just say, "Hey," it is, you know, and, and take care of herself, she gives in. And I can see that as a mom, you're worried about that. But remember, sibling rivalry. There's a cooperation going on between the kids. I mean, they're, they're, they're either attention-getting for you, they want you to get involved in their life, or maybe they want the sibling to pay attention to them, so they do things to try to get their attention or to show their dominance. And the more you get in and try to use logic, because you, you know what? Trying to have logic sometimes with a three-, four-, five-year-old just to, it ain't going to work. Now, during quiet moments, you can teach, but... During the middle of a sibling rivalry incident, you've got to have an action plan, and it shouldn't come out of trying to be logical or trying to be emotional or try to be controlling. If the 8-year-old, for instance, is always trying to dominate the 5-year-old, just a thought. How about if you did this, Kristen? Next time the 8-year-old does that, say, it seems like you're so concerned about the 5-year-old and what the 5-year-old is doing you really want to be in the charge of the five-year-old, I'm going to put you in charge of picking up all the five-year-old's toys. In other words, if you're so concerned about your younger sister, I'm going to give you some responsibility to take care of things, to help the five-year-old sister. And she's not going to want to do that. She just wants to be in charge and be bossy. And if you hold her accountable without making a huge big deal out of it, you're going to be much better off. We're talking sibling. Thank you, Kristen. Appreciate your call. We're talking about sibling rivalry today, and sometimes it's uh, between the young kids. But you know what? If the if you didn't deal with sibling rivalry when you were younger, do you have sibling rivalry now in adulthood? I wrote a whole book, you know, on sibling rivalry. 
uh, the Cain and Abel syndrome, I, I refer to it, and the dynamic that it can, can occur in sibling relationships. So what is it that your kids fight over in sibling rivalry? Give me a call, 888 Again, you're welcome to come and join us uh, today. We're talking sibling rivalry at 888-888-1717. Well, I have a three- and a five-year-old, and um, they're constantly competing for my attention. Mm, how do they do that? What does it look like? <sighs> they Well, they act naughty. They interrupt each other. They fight with each other. I give attention to one. The other one gets upset. Um, they just can't seem to share my attention. Mm-hmm. So when you're giving attention to one, the other one gets to be naughty. Right. And uh, then what does the child do that you're paying attention to? He gets upset at the other child. Yeah, okay. So they kind of know how to push the buttons to make this happen, don't they? Exactly. And so getting mom's attention, then you know, obviously that's what all kids want. They want mom's attention. What do you do when they do that? Um... Well, I kind of, I kind of ask the other child to, you know, be patient, and they'll get their turn. But then they get upset, and nothing gets accomplished. Mm-hmm. And then it's just kind of like this cycle of um, one gets mad, the other one gets mad, and everybody's mad. <laughs> and then it kind of erupts into, you know, arguing, and then just a vicious cycle keeps going around and around. Yes, and then they fight with each other, and you know, it just seems like they just the naughtiness seems to continue from there. Mm-hmm. And you said they're two years apart, three and five, right? Three and five. A boy, girl? Yes. The boy's the oldest, and, and the little one is the youngest. Sophia's the youngest. And see, as a single mom, you're tired, you got a lot going on, and that even makes it more stressful. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, and I think also, Sonia, what you're doing is you're illustrating uh, the call, Kristen's call coming in as well. Um that we're trying to have logic, you know, we're sitting down with a three-year-old and trying to say, you know, no, honey, if it, if you would just cooperate with your, your, with your sibling and you just love each other and I love both of you the same and, and uh, why can't we just all get along? Uh, <laughs> and I know that's a message we're trying to teach our kids, but what happens is you, you as a mom, in particular dads too, we, we only take so much and then it builds up, builds up, and then all of a sudden we blow up and then we yell and then, as you said, it, everybody's mad, everybody's angry, and it's a very, it's a huge vicious cycle that happens in families. And with this topic of sibling rival, rivalry, if we understand that the goal is to get ourselves out as a parent and to try to manage the relationship in such a way that we stay above the fray, uh, we're going to be better. I know that's hard because you're emotionally engaged. They're not listening to you. They're they're screaming. They're yelling at each other. Um, and sometimes just separating them, putting them in their own rooms and saying, hey, just cool it for a while. Or if they're not too agitated, putting them in the room together and say, you guys, when you've worked it out, now there's no hitting each other. We're not, that's not tolerated here. But when you guys have worked this out, then you can come back. Now, that may not work with a three- and five-year-old as well as it does as the kids get a little bit older. But what, what you're doing is training. Remember, the goal of parenting, intentional parenting, is to train. And part of it is teaching children that 
There's going to be times, there's going to be competition. You're not always going to get attention. And just having negative, remember, kids don't care if it's positive attention or negative attention. They'll do whatever it takes to get attention. And so the less attention we give them for negative behavior, the better off it's going to be. All right, talking sibling rivalry, lots of calls we'll get to in a moment. You're welcome to try to get in here at 888-888-1717. The older one has uh, uh, significant learning disabilities and is causing a lot of friction between the two of them because she doesn't want the younger one to outdo her in anything. When I'm working with my kids, I, I have that structure and I have that no, not to mess with me. Uh, my parents were very gender biased. I'm the oldest of five, and my uh, younger brothers had later curfews, uh, were given more freedom, so that really did create um, some heartache between us mm. and, uh, and irreparable harm in the relationship. It bothers me that everything that they do is a competition. Boy, we get lots of stories about sibling rivalry. In fact, the book that I wrote on the Cain and Abel syndrome, I use that title because it's a word picture of what happens with adult-sibling relationships. So this sibling relationship and sibling rivalry issue, of course, you can see it with little ones, and uh, if it's not handled correctly, it can make it even worse when they grow up into an adult relationship. So today... We're unpacking how to make that relationship work better. By the way, we love your stories. If you have a, a prayer request or a success story of how intentional living has helped, uh, share it with us on our comment line at 888-888-1717. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, doctor. Um, today I was flipping through the radio stations and ran into your show. My daughter and I are having some tension with the arguments after school, and we turned up the volume on your show, and it was just a, a beautiful moment. We felt each other on another level and realized that, you know, we need to appreciate the good things, and I just want to let you know that you and your show has made a difference, and now I am interested, and I will be listening to this station more often. Thank you, and God bless. That's humbling. Thank you for taking time to call and just leave that story. Just spinning the dial, finding intentional living, finding the station. I'm glad you and your daughter had a chance to talk. You know, it's simple as that sometimes, and that's one of my goals with intentional living is you all listen in to one of the teachings or on the radio or through one of our podcasts that'll stimulate an opportunity to talk. In fact, my wife and I today, we were driving and talking about life, and, and I said, you know, what are four or five of the key success indicators in life? And one of them was communication. People who can communicate tend to do better in life than those who cannot. So taking time, learning to communicate, make it a priority in your life is a powerful thing. So thank you for sharing that with us today. You know what? That's why we do what we do. And that's why your support is so important today. We're a listener-supported ministry. We don't sell commercials. We're not given grants to keep us going. Uh, this is an opportunity for each of us to stand up together to make sure that the intentional living message is getting out, reaching more people for Christ, strengthening families and homes. And today, 
building uh, stronger relationships within sibling relationships. Have you been hurt by your siblings? Hi, I'm Dr. Randy Carlson with another Intentional Living Minute. I wrote the book, The Cain and Abel Syndrome, to help people see the power and importance of adult sibling relationships. In fact, who we are today has a lot to do with our siblings. It may be the order of birth that you came, or it could be the interactions that you had when you were growing up. I think about Joseph in scripture who was clearly abused by his brothers. And yet at the end of the story, he got the big picture. When his brothers came to him for help, he said to them, what you did with the intention to harm, God did to accomplish what was now being done, the saving of many lives. It's a great story of redemption. And it's a great picture of how God wants us to relate to our siblings with forgiveness and love. And when you do, that's Intentional Living. Visit us at TheIntentionalLife.com. This is Intentional Living with your host, Dr. Randy Carlson. Intentional Living is furnished by Parent Talk Incorporated and is made possible by the generous support of our listeners. This program is not a substitute for professional counseling, medical, financial, or legal advice. Intentional Living is not intended to be therapy by radio. Let's go to the calls talking uh, 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 sibling rivalry today. We've got Liz on the line in Michigan. Hi, Liz. Hi. Appreciate your call. How are you today? I am great. How are you? Fantastic. What's going on with sibling rivalry in your world? All right. Well, sibling rivalry is something we deal with a lot as we have seven kids, um, two of which are biological and the rest have come through us through uh, uh, foster care and things like that. Um, We have a very wide range, uh, age range. We have two six-year-olds, two eight-year-olds, a 14, 16, and 17-year-olds. Um, but the question today is about my two six-year-old boys and my two eight-year-old boys. The four of them are thick as thieves as well as uh, each other's worst enemies, it seems, sometimes. Um, and it seems like all of their play goes from, you know, boy roughhousing to extreme measures of violence and vengeance in about five seconds. And um, I struggle with not wanting them to not be boys because boys wrestle and boys ref house um but you know i also want them to have compassion for each other and so i just at what line do i draw it at and uh do i just cut it out completely you're not allowed to touch each other um or uh engage in any sort of play of that nature or do i just let them work it out amongst themselves or you know where's the balance in that because i don't you know like i said i i know that boys are rough and tumble and I don't want to take something like that away from them but well there's rough and tumble and then there's uh, behavior that can frankly become abusive and, and we can't tolerate that how long have they all been together two sixes and two eights how long have, have all those boys um, been together well the one six and eight year old have been together since obviously the six year old was born and then um, it's been a year it was a year in January for the second six year old and then uh, the second eight year old came um, last uh, July. So two of so, them are, are related brothers. Yes, and, actually, so my six and eight-year-old are uh, my bio-siblings, oh, okay. my bio-children, right. and then the six and eight-year-old uh, foster brothers are actual brothers as well. And so, so we they've been there for a the while. To, yeah. yeah. How long are they gonna, Are they there for long term? Yes, unfortunately, it's not looking like mom is going to... Um, 
be able to get them back. And so in that case, we will um, mm-hmm. we will adopt. Well, as you, as you know, and by, by the way, God bless you, Liz, uh, standing in the gap right. and helping children in need is, is a great blessing. You're taking on a great responsibility and the challenges. I mean, if you take your six and eight-year-old and didn't have the other six and eight-year-old there uh, coming in from their hurt, their experiences, and all the loss in their life, just, you know, just having your own six and eight-year-old is enough to keep you up some nights in terms of sibling rivalry. And now you're adding this whole dynamic, uh, which, which uh, you know, absolutely exacerbates how you approach this. And you have to be more intentional than ever. You talk about intentional living. You need to be intentional with seven kids and these dynamics. Uh, I think a couple of things. Obviously, love. I mean, that's foundational. You're loving. You're caring. You're listening. Uh, there's a soft side of parenting where there's a lot of love and care and observation, awareness. But there also has to be the the stronger, the tough side, uh, the strong side of parenting that says, "Hey, there's certain things acceptable in this home, and there's certain things that are not." And during quiet moments, to sit down with them and explain that they're six and eight, old enough to understand that we don't hit each other, we don't call each other bad names, we don't do that. That hurts each other. There's just certain things that we don't do. And I know when you get Frustrated when something isn't going your way, it's easy to be, you know, just to blow up. That's the way they probably have learned to behave toward each other. And frankly, in many homes, not yours, but in many, many parents are listening, you know if you're a very powerful child, you're going to be more likely to raise that powerful, if you're a powerful parent, rather, you're going to be raising that powerful child. They see power as a way of, you know, getting their, their uh, what they want. And so I teach that we need to parent up and power down. Turn the power down. Hold them accountable. What do you do? You might put them in their room. There might be time out. They might have some work assignments that they have to do until they calm down. But you're clearly laying out where the line is. And if you want to know where the line is, in my book, the line is obviously words that are used that are destructive. The Bible says, let no corrupt communication come out of our mouth. No abusive behavior toward each other, hitting, kicking, that kind of thing. If you want to disagree, that's fine. If you're frustrated, I understand that. Go to your room, work it out, think about it, put them in the room together if you if you can, if it's safe, to work it out. But I think the more you're clear up front, Liz, with how you're going to respond, the better off you're going to be on the back end uh, when you actually follow through. In other words, an expectation. So when they when they are disciplined, it's something that you have been clear about. God bless you again. Thank you for standing. Standing in the gap. Okay, we got Kara on the line here. Let me see. From also from Michigan. Hey, Kara, welcome to the program. Hello. Um, so I have three kids: mm-hmm. uh, one one year old, a two year old, and a four year old. <laughs> Very close in age. Uh-huh. Um, Boy, girls. Uh, uh, my oldest is a girl, and then my I have two sons. Okay. So uh, I guess. One of the things that I wanted to know is maybe I'm underestimating my daughter's uh, understanding, but she, if like something gets taken of hers, her immediate reaction is to hit them. And Mm -hmm. she tells me like, well, mommy, he took it. And, um, and so she's like telling me I'm disciplining them and I'm trying to help her understand. No, we don't hit. And, I wanted to know, like, what is the best way to work with her? And then, of course, my son, like, follows suit, so he's hitting her. Mm-hmm. And, like, what is the best way to get to just such a little mind to help them comprehend that? Well, I, Kara, again, when you have little children in particular, 
one, two, and four-year-old, um, logic isn't going to work. Obviously, you're explaining how we parent and how we behave in this house, but it's going to be through your own behavior. As they see you and dad uh, following through lovingly, um, following through and disciplining in ways that is, is action-oriented, like removing the toy or timeout, things that show that there's going to be a discipline for what's being done, but it's never going to be hitting. We don't hit. We don't hit in this family. I mean, families that grow up, kids that grow up in homes where that's the way they're disciplined, that's the way they think they're to behave, and it re- repeats in the next, you know, next generation. And what you're trying to do is say, hey, I want to teach my kids that isn't something we do here. That's just not the way we behave. So it's not tolerated. And clearly, we don't tolerate kids hitting other kids in our family. We don't do it. And so there's got to be great disapproval. That's not the way it's done. Um, it has to be clearly understood. We don't do that. And maybe a timeout for her. In other words, there's discipline. Remember, kids, it can be a cooperative act between the two. Therefore, you have to discipline them both, which may be putting them in their own room, giving them time out. But remember, this is a stage that you're going through, Kara. And this is why I talk about uh, parent up and power down. Just make sure in your home there's not a lot of power going on. Does that make sense? As, um, like, describe that a little bit more. Well, like there, there's families There's families where you have a, a, a lot of us were raised in homes where our parents were very authoritarian. There was not only in charge and bossy, but there can be, there can be a sense of power where, hey, I learned as a child that if I use power, and as a little child, the only power I can think of is hitting my sibling. If I use power, then that's what's valued in this family. And so what we want to do is we want to turn the power level down in the home when it comes to parenting and turn up the authority level, which means I'm an authority. I'm a parent of authority, meaning I'm going to follow through. There's going to be a timeout. Um, there's going to be putting in the own in your own room and at the right time sitting down and talking about how we could approach this better. But turning the power down, I think one of the greatest lessons we can have in parenting, intentional parenting is all about parenting up, having a backbone, having an intentional plan for parenting, but then powering down because we tend to use power to control. I think of that little verse in Ecclesiastes that says the quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. And uh, volume is not an indication of parent uh, of strength in parenting or power, either one. Uh, it's being an authority and it's being intentional. And so I think, again, for you, Kara, very specifically, with that four-year-old, disapproval we don't hit, discipline when there is, time out, taking the toy away, talking to her again, we do not hit each other. Um, those are things that need to be uh, squelched early on in parenting. But they're kids, and sometimes kids do this, and they got to learn. That's part of the process of parenting. We're talking about how to be an intentional parent today, and we'd love to hear your comments at 888-888-1717. The point of Leah's story to me is that God sees even when others don't see. You don't see the father stepping up and saying, oh, honey, I'm sorry, you know, you're my firstborn, and I... I love you, but you know, you're just, you know, this just didn't work out. And you don't hear any of that. You just hear Leah facing this relationship, being in this marriage with her sister and Jacob and being the unloved one, being the tolerated one. And I think in our generation today, you can be and I can be in relationship with other people where we're, we're not feeling accepted for who we are, valued for who we are, 
but only tolerated because of what either we can contribute to the relationship or because of being stuck in the relationship, and that hurts. Hmm. If you know an unloved woman or man in your life, the lesson this month from Intentional Living is very encouraging. And it's a forceful reminder from Scripture how God has a way of uh, loving the unloved, I think in extraordinary and special ways. And so each of you who are part of the Intentional Living membership, our community of supporters, you should have received by now, by email, both the video and audio lesson. If for some reason you didn't, check the spam. Sometimes those things can get lost, as you know. Uh, Take a look there, and a few of you receiving it by CD. But each of you who will come and join us today to be a part of the Intentional Living community, walking alongside us and others around the country who say we want to live above mediocrity in this time of confusion, we want to... We want to support a message of living intentionally in Christ. We don't want to have people dropping by the wayside. Um, We want people to stand strong and be resilient in their faith. You're supporting a ministry that's making a difference. So again, come and join us at theintentionallife.com, theintentionallife.com. Click on the donate button and you'll be a part of the show today. By the way, tomorrow we're going to be talking about tenderness, a topic we seldom discuss. It's right from my book, Star for Affection, Tenderness in Marriage. I hope you come and join me for that program as well. Hi, I'm just making a comment based on uh, sibling relationships. I think I see a lot of my parents and my brothers and sisters, and and everyone has a different personality, but they all carry some characteristic of my parents, and I think that's what kind of makes me laugh is if you didn't grow up in my home you, and didn't have a sense of humor, you would have probably killed over and died a few times. So, unfortunately, you know, my dad's not here, but, you know, him being a Marine and having a lot of kids, he was always busy changing diapers. And one of the fondest memories I have of my dad is just the fact that he had a different relationship with each of us, but loved us all equally. And it was that kind of fun that always perseveres and helps me in life today, even in the worst of times. Hey, thanks for sharing that. You know, you started talking about sibling relationships, but then you really, I think, turned the corner and talked about being in a home where there could be some fun, there could be uniqueness. I love it that your dad learned to treat each of you uniquely different. One of the basic principles of intentional living is to be reminded that each of us, we are unique individuals. God gave us our own individual DNA and our own individual fingerprints. Uh, We have our own personalities. It's one of the reasons we talk about birth order, because that's one indication, one thing you can see different within families. And so we don't want all of our kids to be the same. We want them to love God. We want them to grow up and and really find what it is that God has wired them to do in their life. And so as we're wrapping up the show today, talking about sibling relationships, if you have little ones at home, make sure that you're treating them uniquely different, because they are different. And uh, that means that each will have their own kind of unique opportunities to face uh, love and support and sometimes discipline because they're different. And if you have adult siblings, can I remind you that you're all different? You came from different backgrounds and in terms of your your own personal experiences. And as a result, uh, you maybe see life differently. But what an opportunity to love your siblings right where they are today. Hey, we got to wrap up the show. I'd love to hear your comments. What do you think? What have you learned? What would you share with others? Tell us about it when you call 888-888-1717. And also, I want to say thank you to our members. Thank you for those of you who are supporting this ministry in a very tangible financial way. 
Check it out at theintentionallife.com. So for the entire team here, Rob and Stephen and the rest of the team, God bless you. I'm Dr. Randy. Have a great day and be intentional. Intentional.